Welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Since we are in our um, third week in this passage, I'm going to uh, refresh our minds uh, from, by reading from Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, part of this passage. And then I'm going to continue on into chapter 4 and verse 4 as, as the scene transitions and progresses. Remember, in the original writing, there weren't chapter breaks. This is a, a continuing story. And we determined earlier, uh, during our scripture reading, this error of the Sadducees, and, and they're identified as rejecting any idea of a resurrection. There is no resurrection, they insisted. Uh, there are reasons that they arrive at this error. There are theological reasons. Uh, there is a social reason. We'll, we'll discuss both as we progress Peter, though, meanwhile, had just finished declaring, that would be in verse 15, this supernatural healing of the lame man proves that Jesus has been raised. He says, quote, God has raised Jesus from the dead, a fact to which, he says, we apostles are all witnesses. Uh, Peter is preaching this openly at the temple, and it is going to cause some big problems for him. Uh, in chapter 4, enter stage right now, uh, come, uh, they march these Sadducees, and, and we are going to discover they are some very powerful men. Let's read together, beginning in verse 17. Peter says, and now brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance just as your rulers did also, but the things which, command, uh, which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus, this Christ appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets uh, from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, again, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announce these days, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from 
your wicked ways. So, so four references to the prophets thus far. Continuing in chapter 4, as they, referring to Peter and John, were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because, well, they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Wow. Well, I was going to title this message, In Defense of Plenary Inspiration. Yeah, that is a sorry title. Uh, That's more like a term paper. But a crucial doctrine, a crucial doctrine championed here by Peter is the plenary inspiration of Scripture. Uh, That term plenary means full. It's complete. It is comprehensive. It means all, okay? And when applied to Scripture, plenary assures that all Scripture is is God-breathed and profitable for man. That's 2 Timothy 3.16. It's not only my preferred section or portion of the Bible, but all. Uh, We're going to need to know a little bit more about the Sadducees to to understand the thrust of this conflict uh, behind this confrontation. Sadducees did not accept that all of Scripture uh, was God-breathed as Jesus had declared it, as, as the Old Testament prophets declared it. You got the historical books, the wisdom, the law, and the prophets. Uh, no, they, they were a sect, a religious sect, who only accepted Moses. Only the writings of Moses. That is, that is the first five books of the Old Testament often referred to as the Pentateuch, uh, they did not view the prophets whom God had sent to Israel after Moses as being authoritative. Boy, Peter Peter just sticks a sharp stick in their eye. Uh, How did he do that? Well, he does so by reciting to this crowd the teaching of Moses. Look at verse 22. He begins, Moses said, Moses said, the Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me from your, among your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. Uh, and Peter just announced that Jesus is that very prophet. Additionally, These onlookers, the ones who would have been fluent in Hebrew, that part of the population who still spoke Hebrew, uh, also recognized Moses' original statement from Deuteronomy chapter 18 is correctly understood to to grammatically include all the prophets. As as Peter had just said, uh, all the prophets that God would raise up over the centuries, if you recall, In Deuteronomy chapter 18, 
Moses even provided Israel a litmus test to know which prophets were and were not true prophets from God. So there were surely going to be more than just Moses. And just how authoritative did Peter reveal uh, will be this Jesus and all the prophets? Uh, well, Peter loosely quotes Moses again in verse 23. He says, It will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet, immediate context, Jesus, shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. Well, that, that is some tough language for the Sadducees uh, who are now eavesdropping and they, they interrupt Peter uh, saying, you know, excuse me, exactly what seminary did you graduate from? These guys, these Sadducees were some incredibly powerful men who controlled the temple. A majority of the temple priests were Sadducees. The high priests, who we'll learn about in our next passage, Annas and Caiaphas, uh, we'll discover in chapter 5, they were also Sadducees. The captain of the temple guard was also a Sadducee. That means they handled the temple security as well. And a controlling number of the seats on the high court, known as the Sanhedrin, a controlling number of the seats on the high court were also held by Sadducees. Uh, so these guys ultimately dictated the priesthood and the doctrine that could, could be taught at the temple. Sadducees were some tough hombres. They really were. Uh, they were also very wealthy aristocrats. They maintained a loyalty to Roman authorities. Believe it or not, uh, Rome actually uh, had a hand in deciding who got to be high priest. Some of them would be deposed and replaced by Roman authorities. Uh, they, they maintained this loyalty to the Roman authorities. They de denied existence of a resurrection. They denied the existence of angels or spirits. And as I said earlier, they adhered exclusively to the writings of Moses. Uh, they were also recognized... They recognized for, for rigidly defending the status quo. Don't change anything. Don't change anything. Uh, well, well, you know, if you were at the top of the heap, uh, one of your utmost goals is going to preserve stability, pres preserve everything as it is. And that was kind of their main appeal of the Sadducees. They did have a small appeal. Uh, no uprisings, no revolutions. They were, they were keepers of the peace. Preserve it as it is. Citizens, citizens of Israel, they, they generally resented these rich power brokers. But a level of cooperation with Rome, a, a stable economy, they, they do offer so, some benefits. You know, who, who here wants turmoil? 
Who, who wants an uprising? We generally don't. Generally, we don't. You know, there, there's an uprising over in Europe right now. You got, you got regional conflict in Ukraine. You know, my Roth 401k is just doing horrible. Why can't people just get along? Life's easier when people get along. Uh, trust me, uh, the only imbecile who romanticizes about war is he or she who never fought in one. It is not pretty. Uh, and no, Israel, <laughs> no Israelite in their right mind wants an armed conflict with Rome. You know what Rome does? They burn your wheat fields. You go hungry. Um, they, they, they know how to teach a lesson, uh, those who represent Rome. Honest people, therefore, they, they don't like civil unrest. Uh, we want to be left alone to work a job, right? Secure our home at the end of the day, uh, eat three square meals every day, sit home in the evening, watch reruns of the Rockford Files. You know, the good life, right? We just want to enjoy the good life. And average citizens tend to like peace. The same ones who call for a revolution who are the first to cry out when, when the supply chain dries up for their toilet paper, right? There's problems when, when there's uprisings. There's problems when there's interference. Uh, people who like to eat, they like social stability. They pos that possesses a certain kind of appeal. And, and it was understood to be the prerogative of these elite Sadducees, you know, tap down problem areas. Tap down problem areas, especially a new religious movement uh, that challenges the already established authorities. Two common old everyday fishermen have done just that. We'll discover it is not until verse 13, the next day, that the high priests will not even recognize who Peter and John are. The church remains that much of a, of a fringe group at this point. They're complete nobodies. Oh boy, just wait until next week. We are going to hear how, how Peter is going to respond at his trial the next morning. What Peter is one very bold and courageous disciple of Christ. What the church is going to discover is that uh, this sect of the Sadducees and others like them, uh, who, who insist they are very religious people, they are going to be unwilling to yield to the authority of all Scripture. That doesn't mean that no Pharisee or no Sadducee or no priest uh, will eventually accept Jesus. A, a number of them will. It rather means that broadly, it, it, the, the broader and more powerful religious establishment will not. They will not accept the authority of Scripture. Instead, in a relatively short period of time, severe religious persecution of Christians is going to erupt in Jerusalem. That's what's coming in the next chapters. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 20, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
if they kept my word, says Jesus, if they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Uh, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus hinges our relationship to him with a full and complete embrace of his words, the word of God, all of it, all of Scripture, to a degree that we're even willing to suffer for it, even, even endure punishment for God's word, which proclaims Christ as the Messiah. That's, that's what Peter is trying to do here. He's trying to pro- proclaim the Christ as Messiah. Uh, that's an, that serves as an evidence that the Spirit of Christ dwells in us when we want to proclaim Christ as Messiah, and Peter assures Jesus is proclaimed in all the Old Testament prophets. We've seen that over the last months and years at this church. Uh, You go to any of the Old Testament prophets, Zechariah, Jeremiah, um, we went through Haggai, Ezekiel, uh, Joel, all of them were talking about the Christ, about the resurrection, There's no question the prophets were clear about this point. The spirit of the Sadducees, that's very different, very different. Um, They only accept part of God's Word as inspired, the part that they thought benefited them. They were distinguished by the fact that they, they wholesale rejected the idea of any resurrection after death. They were initially quite confident that they could lean on Moses to to back them up on this, to defend this. Uh, The reality, though, this is what's most alarming to me. It really hit me in a a new way this week, a deeper way. Really alarming to me is how the most powerful religious leaders in Israel, even the high priests among them, did not believe they would be held accountable by God after they died. Folks, that is disturbing. That is how secular that culture had become. The website, gotquestions.org, you might know of it. Uh, Usually their research is pretty good. They have several points about the Sadducees. Uh, They offer this is just one of their points about the Sadducees. Quote, they denied the afterlife holding that the soul perished at death, and therefore denying any penalty or reward after the earthly life. Wow. Let's go five centuries earlier. John Calvin writes, quote, Because the question is about the resurrection, they, referring to the Sadducees, set themselves against the apostles more than the rest. Furthermore, This was most monstrous confusion amongst the Jews in that this sect, writes Calvin, which was profane, was of such authority. For what godliness, he asked, could remain when the immortality of the soul was counted as a fable? The historian, the Jewish historian Josephus, Uh, describes a lot of the beliefs of these Sadducees, and and, uh, um, they they did not. Folks, they professed a doctrine of annihilation. 
that you would cease to exist after you die. Why? Why? Well, because concocting that religious fallacy benefited them now in this life, and and it served to soothe their consciences. In the adult Bible class this morning, uh, Mike Clements told us, be careful of any type of preaching that that soothes your consciences in a way, just just too soft. Be 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 aware of that and and what is behind it. Creating false doctrine, it's generally for the purpose, uh, a purpose that serves as accommodating to us. How can it accommodate us? Annihilation. It provided that Sadducees. Remember, the ones that are at the top of the heap, the richest, the most influential, uh, they could devote all their efforts to living their best life now. Preserving power, authority, wealth, and privilege, that became their false religion. And nothing is going to stand in their way, uh, not even God's word as it was spoken through the prophets. Not a few of these fishermen guys from Galilee. How dare they confront the Sadducees? The following kind of reveals how they fabricated this heresy. Um, This this is so classic. This is so classic. Um, Survives to this day. They didn't arrive at a conclusion that there is no resurrection through explicit references by Moses. They didn't go to Moses and look at the Scriptures and arrive at their conclusion. It was an argument from silence. They became supremely confident that the Pentateuch, Genesis through Deuteronomy, never declares an afterlife. They became very confident. Moses doesn't appear to discuss it, so we won't accept it. But then along comes Jesus. Oh, how they were gravely mistaken, our Lord exposes, as seen during our scripture reading from Luke chapter 20. There Jesus informed them, but that the dead are raised, even Moses showed. In the passage about the burning bush where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, very clear in the Hebrew present tense, And then says, now he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. Well, uh uh-oh. One way or another, whether you're saved or damned, all will live. And all will know that God lives. Uh, The Gospel of Writer records that from this point forward, none had the courage to question Jesus any longer about anything. At the same point in time, uh, a peculiar reference from, from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 22 records, quote, that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus, was, uh, Jesus had silenced the Sadducees. That was the word on the street, that Jesus had put them to silence with the word of God. An assurance there would uh, be an afterlife for all. For all, nobody gets to escape that, not just some, but all. 
Boy, that would be sobering. If you had lived your entire life, your entire religious life, or any life, confident, maybe an atheist life, confident that you were never going to have to face the judgment of God after death. If you had, if you had concluded this, uh, you'll never be held accountable for what you have done in this life. Boy, that'd be a wake-up call. If suddenly now you're convinced maybe I'm wrong. Again, the the Sadducees did not arrive at at this erroneous conclusion by studying Moses carefully. Instead, they, they approached the writings of Moses having that error already cemented in their minds. You run into people like that? They've already concluded something before they go to the Bible. And they're going to try and find a place where they can back up what they've concluded in their own mind. Um, Boy, the theological reason they perpetuated their error is because they approached Scripture selectively, only part, while holding previously determined theological presuppositions in their mind. They determined what they wanted to believe before they went to the Bible. Where did that idea that there is no resurrection come from? You ever think about that? Or, or, you know, the idea that they should not give heed to Israel's prophets. Where did these come from? Those conclusions never originate from Scripture. They, They don't arise from Scripture, not even from Moses. No, the error came by way of family tradition. Yeah, that, that, that's right. Sadducees learned it from their daddy. And their daddy learned it from his daddy. In fact, the Sadducees were priests born to the tribe of Levi who traced their lineage before the Babylonian exile to a high priest during the time of Solomon named Zadok. As Levites, they were therefore granted the privilege of officiating the temple after Israel returned from captivity. They were Levites. You get to do the priest thing. They were born into the priesthood, making it very difficult to challenge them. They're born for this, and they inherited their position and thereby their beliefs from their fathers, the false beliefs. Nobody knows exactly, uh, history doesn't record exactly when or where this, or by whom, this error crept in. Uh, They crept in somewhere. We only know from the Jewish historian Josephus that Sadducees uh, ceased entirely as a group in 70 AD when the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed. There are no Sadducees that in existence today, uh, oh wait, that spirit is alive and well. In fact, it is thriving. It is thriving. The theological reason they erred was that they decided to accept only one small portion of Scripture, and their approach to interpreting Scripture was based on predetermined 
doctrine. It's like, you know, I believe X, Y, Z, and I'm going to find a place in Scripture that I think backs me up, and then I'm going to vigorously dismiss and discredit any other part of Scripture that may prove me wrong. This is why, by the way, uh, students very often when they go to seminary, uh, tantra, pastorate, uh, not all the time, but very often, they study systematic theology. That sounds boring and everything. What, what it does, though, is you study all of Scripture to make sure when you, are, when you are teaching Scripture that you aren't making one part of Scripture contradict another part of Scripture. That, that it all it all gels together. If you're if you're not if you're teaching in a way where you got to come back the next Sunday, and say ah forget what I just said, uh, this other passage says something else. That, that that's not that's not good. Um, the prophets, like Isaiah, they were more than sufficiently clear that there would be a resurrection and that God will judge man. Historical books, lots of them out there. Second Samuel, for instance, is one where David is recorded as saying, you know, my child, the one that had just died, the infant, my child can't come back to me, but I will go to him. There's all kinds of statements everywhere in the historical books, the wisdom literature, uh, the prophets that would have undone what the Sadducees believed, and they just give it the stiff arm. I'm not, I'm not going to buy that. Uh, the Apostle Peter, he assures in our passage all the Old Testaments agreed that Christ would be raised. So the spirit of the Sadducees simply ignored large portions of Scripture. They did not accept plenary, verbal plenary inspiration that all Scripture is God-breathed. As I said a little bit ago, it's such a deviant spirit that would never survive to this day, would it? Yeah, we all own a Bible. We can all see what it says. So how, how could that survive? Have you ever encountered red-letter Christians? I talk about this in membership orientation. Uh, red-letter Christians, I, I grew up surrounded by them. There are people who self-identify, again, as very religious folks uh, who elevate the words spoken by Jesus, printed in many of our modern Bibles in red ink. They elevate the words spoken by Jesus in red above, and they ignore other portions of the New Testament and other portions of Scripture. And if you quote them something spiritually or socially provocative, passage from Scripture, uh, say, well, what are you going to say about this? Uh, for instance, you go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says that the unrighteous, yeah, won't inherit. I don't want to quote it all because it's just, it's just mean. <laughs> the unrighteous aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. Sexually immoral and, and the effeminate and and drunkards and revilers and homosexuals, you, you quote them even kindly, a, a scripture like that, and uh, they will stubbornly respond. Yeah, but that's Paul. That's, that's Paul. Their argument always begins with a but. 
because they force Scripture to contradict itself. But that's Paul. That's not Jesus. As if, uh, and they'll say, you know, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. They'll elevate that part um, as if Jesus actually meant by that statement, you know, just celebrate all the deviant sins of society and of your neighbors as not to make him or her feel uncomfortable or excluded or ashamed. That's not what Jesus meant at all when he said that. Uh, These same people will also exclude many other things that Jesus had said even though it's, it's also in red ink. They just pick and choose the portions that they want to be authoritative, the ones that align with their preconceived ideas. Uh, Modern-day Sadducees will pick and choose and sincere, sincerely defend select parts of Scripture as authoritative, the texts that they think support their position best, and they will disregard the rest because they do not believe in the inspiration of all Scripture. And to defend an unrighteous lifestyle, as we mentioned earlier, there are many of them, they'll just dismiss all of Scripture and apostolic references to righteousness and holiness and purity. Um, They are infected with the spirit of the Sadducees. They truly are. They also must not believe they're going to be raised from the dead and judged for what they've done, but they are dead wrong. Another manifestation of this, we got a a text from uh, Steve this week, just reminded me again that uh, we got a friend up in, I use that term loosely, a friend up in uh, Atlanta who is uh, very, very popular, has one of the biggest mega churches in the country, campuses, satellite campuses everywhere. Uh, that he's back in the news again, uh, uh, bigger than ever, and enforcing that you just shouldn't, you just shouldn't teach the Old Testament. You just, you just need to unhitch that Old Testament. Get it out of there. Influencing tens of thousands of people every week. Uh, we, we've had that spirit here. People who've come and said, you know, you shouldn't be teaching the Old Testament. I've actually been told we should not teach the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, that's the spirit of the Sadducees. He said, no, that, that's old. We, do, we just love like Jesus. Um, you can't love like Jesus unless you tell people the truth and proclaim all of Scripture as God breathed. The theological reason Sadducees erred is they did not accept all of Scripture as equally authoritative. They were determined to pick and choose. The second reason for their error was a social reason. This this may hit a little closer to home. They had become very comfortable and desperately wanted to preserve the status quo in their lives. Yeah, I like how it is. I just want to perpetuate my cushy lifestyle. I rather like my wealth and my privilege, and you know, I'm just going to simply refuse to embrace any parts of Scripture or any type of preaching that might challenge my already existing ideas about money, about faith, about church. 
For the Sadducees, along came Peter and John with a smooth and soothing message. As, no, not, not with a smooth and soothing, soothing message for the people. Uh, the Sadducees, uh, Sadducees were not told that God is perfectly satisfied and loves you just how you are. No, folks, be very careful of that. Uh, when I read the Bible, I don't find a whole lot that uh, soothes me beyond the fact that Christ bore my sins in His body on the cross because God loves me that much. That soothes me. That, that, that He died on the cross and was punished, so I don't have to. And so you don't have to die in your sins. But that, that is soothing. We don't have to join the folks who Peter says in verse 23 are going to be utterly destroyed. Folks, that, that is some really good news. Really, really good news. Beyond that, I want to be instructed how to live a life honoring to my Savior and pleasing to my God, e even though I fail at many times in many ways. Uh, and that is the type of instruction that the prophets provided to Israel. They gave a lot of instruction. But the Sadducees, if they were going to live as God, uh, God's prophet had said, they were going to have to forsake some of their aristocrat lifestyle, some, some of their uh, status. The broader teaching of the prophets assured that, that there is no privileged status among brothers. Of course, there's, there's always existed differing roles. We know that. There's husband and wife, and, and here there was priest, and there was king, and there, there were Levites and prophets and judges. There were 12 different tribes who, who lived in different, different sections of land. I understand there are distinctions there. But the Sadducees are going to be forced to reexamine their status and their privilege in society. You know, guys, maybe, maybe we've overplayed this hand with this priest thing. We probably shouldn't have helped the scribes and the Pharisees to devour those widows' homes. <laughs> that one, we, we left her with just two mites. You remember that? Oh, and when we stirred up that crowd to demand the release of Barabbas, I think this, this Peter guy is right. Like, we condemned Jesus, an innocent man. And the Sadducees are going to have to have a change of heart. It's got to be a change of heart, a repentance. And though we don't find a lot written specifically about Sadducees in Scripture, anytime you see a reference in the Gospel concerning Jesus' confrontation with the priests or with the chief priests, the, Sadduce the Sadducees were the actors behind the curtain plotting to condemn and crucify Jesus. There's a lot more in the Scriptures about the Sadducees than, than your concordance will reveal. They're everywhere. And in the next few chapters... You know, these wealthy and privileged and arrogant revilers of God called Sadducees 
who stood with, with one voice against the word of God and against his Christ, they're going to experience a crisis of privilege. They're going to experience a crisis of privilege through the powerful preaching of the apostles. Are you ready? Because the Sadducees, they're going to become witnesses. They're they're going to see the generosity and the sharing of resources between those in the early church, the sacrificial lifestyle of giving of themselves, of giving of their resources in order to care for one another, uh, they're going to notice that there is an abundance of God's grace and forgiveness displayed amongst these early Christians in this church. And do you know what some of the Sadducees are, are going to be forced to confess? Some are going to be, some are going to conclude. Have you put yourself in the in the seat of the Sadducee yet? They're going to have to conclude. You know, we ain't been living right. The centuries of tradition and the religion that was handed down to us by our fathers has not saved us. But look at what Jesus has done to save them. Look what He has offered all of them. And we are going to discover later in chapter 6, folks, this is God's grace. We are going to discover later in chapter 6 that even a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith some of them are going to turn and accept Jesus. Not all of them, not a majority of them, but some of them, at least a a good many of them. And they are going to come to the realization, you know, their previous ideas about religion had not saved them. Might that describe anyone here today? Does anyone besides me you know, come out of or grown up in a large main denomination, mainline denomination or tradition in America whose modern day traditions disregard what the Bible says? That is the Sadducees. And like them, you'll have to decide whether you would rather trust in a religion where the feudal goal remains to, you know, gather and gobble as much during this life as we can humanly possible, uh, while acting religious, quoting scripture from time to time when it's convenient and when it supports your view or your side of the argument, or would you rather trust in Jesus who finished the argument? He silenced the Sadducees, the Christ who fulfills all of the scriptures, not just part but all of the scriptures. And though he existed throughout all eternity in the form of God, nonetheless, he emptied himself of all divine privileges. And he took the form of a bond servant, we are told in Philippians chapter 2, and was made into the likeness of men. That is Jesus born of a virgin, becoming man. And we are told, found in the appearance of, 
as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2 verse 3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's the way, the truth, and the life, folks. And it goes right through Jesus Christ and the cross. What do you believe today that can truly save you? Centuries-old tradition? Or a person named Jesus? Jesus?